The discussion and interview presented in this podcast are of our opinions and experiences. Anything stated in the following conversations are not in any way a substitute for consulting a medical professional. If you are experiencing grief, there may be resources available to you in your area. If you are feeling sad, overwhelmed, or having thoughts of harming yourself, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 to talk to someone now, or go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org or cometolifepodcast.com for more information. If this is an emergency, call 911. This season, we will be discussing topics such as grief and loss, mental health, and addiction. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Come to Life, a podcast that takes a look at our daily lives with a biblical perspective. I'm Larry, your host for today's episode, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Peter. Hi, Larry. Hey. Well, we're going to be talking about grief and loss today. We will have an interview with a licensed clinical social worker by the name of Jill Garman. I was able to catch up with her on her travels, and we were able to discuss bereavement and her work as a counselor. You know, but first I'd like to read a Bible verse and then maybe a quote from an American writer, if that's all right. We want to do this to prepare for this discussion. Peter, would you mind reading uh, the verse from 1 Thessalonians to get us started? Yeah, sure. Uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, verses 13 and 14. And this is from the English Standard Version. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Thank you. Now some words from a great American author. The mind has a dumb sense of vast loss. That is all. It will take mind and memory months and possibly years to gather the details and thus learn and know the whole extent of the loss. The latter reading was from the words of Mark Twain, and I I think what he's saying is that the grieving process is going to take as long as it's going to take. Everyone grieves differently, and I'm sure we'll get into more of this with our guest uh, in a minute. But Peter, in the verses you read, it's talking about the hope we have of the resurrection, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the grief that we have is is short-lived um, because we know that past the grieving, uh, we will have the hope that we will rise again when Christ returns, and uh, we won't feel grief no more. Thanks, Peter. Well, 
I was able to catch up with Jill Garman, and we had a discussion on bereavement counseling and her work with hospice. Let's go into that conversation now. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Larry. It's really a pleasure to be here. Great. Jill, I appreciate that you're taking the time to discuss grief and loss with us today. It's something that affects all of us, so would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do professionally? Sure. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've worked as a medical social worker for you know all of my professional history. Um, I've worked in hospitals, um, in the terminal and surgical wards. I've worked with home health as a medical social worker in the field, going to patients' homes and facilities. Um, I've also worked for 20-some years for hospice as a medical social worker, um, again, in visiting people's homes, facilities, and I've worked at an inpatient hospice center. Um, Currently, I am working for hospice as a bereavement counseling coordinator and providing bereavement counseling to the bereaved of our patients, in addition to anyone in our community who needs bereavement support. And that's a rewarding job, I bet. It really is. I I think I found my niche. Um, (laughs) It's just really an honor to be involved with people's lives at one of the most vulnerable times uh, any of us might experience. So I think of grief and loss as, you know, a big subject. I think that we tend to think of death and dying uh, only, but are there some other losses that can cause us grief and that feeling of loss? Well, yes, Larry, that's a really good question, because looking from the perspective of my profession as a medical social worker, um, coming into people's homes when they've been um, put on home health, and that's with a physician's order, when changes of chronic or acute illnesses um, require that they have medical services, there is a loss of independence. People look at, say, from the moment of a diagnosis, they're looking at a lifestyle change. They're looking at possible alterations of their future. So the losses can be independence. They can be financial. They can be um, relationship things of that sort. So loss doesn't just occur at the time of death. It can be of the whole process of uh, a decline, a health decline, or just health care changes. So would you say that grief is our normal response? Well, actually, what I really want to know is when, when do we know when it becomes serious? I mean, when should we seek help for our grief? I think grief can be interesting. It's very individualized, and it really depends on circumstances. I think our our society doesn't really look at death as part of our life and anticipate. You know, we all know we don't know if we have a tomorrow, and so we don't really prepare for the possibility of our death oftentimes, and grief can come as a shock with the diagnosis, it can be serious. I think it really depends um, on how people handle a change in their life or maybe facing a life-threatening illness or a terminal diagnosis. There are a few factors that um, really can change the effects of 
a grieving process, and that might be people's faith is number one. Their support systems, you know, do they have supportive family, friends, connections to help them cope? Uh, financial concerns are always an issue. If there's a medical situation, the medication costs, uh, medical treatments can be a huge factor or loss of a job, loss of a partner who you've had their income. And if there's conflict in a family or unresolved issues, all of that can affect the level of grief. So having that support system out there is really important, I would say, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It really changes things. Oftentimes I don't see uh, people for grief counseling who have great support systems out there. Um, they seem to move through it a little differently. Oh, right. That makes, that makes sense. And on top of losing a loved one and all these other things that we're experiencing loss uh, and grief about, uh, on top of all that, there are all these other dynamics, it seems, that uh, doesn't give us any re- relief uh, makes things a little more complicated. In fact, this we call it complicated grief, right? Exactly, Larry. You hit it. Um, yeah, complicated grief is grief when there are other issues that come into play rather than just the sorrow and sadness you feel of the loss of that individual in your life, but when there are struggles outside that loss um, that really do complicate the grieving process can make it last longer, can make it more difficult to move through in a healthy way. Well, for those people that don't have a great support, it sounds like they can come and get bereavement counseling. Um, But what other supports are there in the community? Well, you know, fortunately in San Luis Obispo, we do have wonderful hospice services and every hospice in our community does have bereavement services available and they're they're available online i think if you just would google grief supports grief counseling and people can also use their own health care insurances for counseling services and oftentimes they can receive services from private counseling services yeah, and even even if nothing else, we could go into our primary care physician, for instance, and, and mention what we're going through, and they could, they could probably find some resources in our. And I would encourage those who are listening to uh, find a, find the supports in your own community to not use you know what we what we talk about here uh, as a substitute for going and finding professional help uh, if and when you when you need it. And those supports are important. And then just so you know, Jill, we're going to put uh, some numbers out there for anybody who might be experiencing grief, feeling like they uh, just that hopeless feeling. There are hotlines we, they can call and we will be giving that number out um, at the beginning and end of our episode. And this is another um, subject that I find, um, you know, we kind of as adults, we don't really we might forget about how children uh, react to grief and loss and how they go through the grieving process, how they're coping with things. Outwardly, they seem to be okay, but, you know, they may be experiencing grief just as much as an adult, right? Yes, and and children don't have the skills that we gain over lifetime how to express 
what we're going through. You might see children as they say, act out, and that's more the internal feelings of sadness, anger about the death, the, the loss, the feelings of loss, they don't know how to verbally express it. And so oftentimes we do see children having negative behaviors happen or they become more quiet. Children often do demonstrate their sadness, but then they'll go off and they'll play where an adult might feel the grief all day long, 24 hours a day. Children don't do that. Oftentimes you'll see a child be very sad and then all of a sudden they just start playing with their siblings or friends and then they'll grieve. But their their experience is different than an adult's because of their ability or limited ability to express their emotions. Yeah, you know, I remember um, losing my grandfather when I was a kid, maybe nine, eight or nine. I, I remember me and my cousins were playing and I heard my uncle or aunt in the background, I can't remember which, talking about, well, I guess that was both of them talking about how these kids don't even realize what's going on. They look at them, they can just you go over there and play and they don't, you know, they're not affected by, you know, by loss. And I don't, and I remember, I do remember trying to understand what does that mean that we're not going to see grandpa anymore? You know, even though we're playing and running around and being kids, there was still that, uh, that feeling of, you know, I don't understand, and I would have been nice to have somebody sit down and kind of <laughs> explain that looking back. But, uh, you know, we do what we can uh, as parents and, and family members, and, and uh, you know, we're also, I'm sure they're experiencing their own grief, and it's uh, it's difficult for for everybody. But with, with children, you know, I think we need a little more information, and uh, I hate to put you on the spot, <laughs> but I know there's some books out there. Do you know of any Top, you know, top your list. Yes, that you... I, I can sure give you, suggest a few names, and Larry, I'll provide you a list of books. Um, I won't read the names of all of them, but to your point, first, first, um, I think it's really important that adults be open and honest with children. Take the mystery and the fear out of death. If someone is sick and they're declining, and you anticipate their death. Tell the children about it ahead of time. Let them know about the normalcy of what our body might go through, of the changes. Give them a chance to say goodbye, even if it's over the phone, to someone they love. Um, and let them write a card to that person or a note so that they know they're communicating with them and that they're a part of saying goodbye. Honesty, I think, is really important with children and everybody knows their child first and, or better and um, what they maybe can cope with and what's appropriate but I would make that a huge encouragement of honesty about about death and dying and what their loved one may be going through but to your point your question about books I think you know as you say you know your grandfather Larry um there's a wonderful book. It was written years ago, and I think it's just beautiful. The artwork in the book is beautiful, and it gives the story of life in a very loving, purposeful way. And it's called The Fall of Freddie the Leaf. It's uh, titled A Story for All Ages by uh, Leo Buscaglia, and that's uh, B-U-S-C-A. G-L-I-A, and that is a lovely story about the cycle of life and the purpose of each of us in the world and 
to each other. And I think that's a very comforting book for children as, as well as adults. And then another book, Where Are You, My Love?, where, wherever you are, my love will follow you. And that's by Nancy Tillman. And that is a, another lovely book. Um, that I think it's easy for children. And reading a book to a child brings up an opportunity of discussion and questions and maybe reducing some of their fears or anxieties. So there are many more, but I'll just suggest those two at the top of the list. Great advice, too, about um, being open and honest with kids, I, I think this may be the best way to help them process it. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, I know you talked about negative behaviors that manifest in, in kids from grief. So these uh, these books would not only help, sounds like the kid uh, reading it, but also the, uh, the adult on maybe how to communicate these books. We'll try to put them on our website as soon as we can. So again, I know we've kind of covered this, but just to clarify, so what, what should people do if they think they might be experiencing that complicated grief we talked about earlier? I think that there are a few things to do. One thing before I lose my, my train of thought as to children, I think it's really important to acknowledge that children's world feels real vulnerable when there's change or loss of someone in their life. If we maybe address to children what happens when a body is getting ready to be born? The lungs start getting ready to breathe air. The muscles start working. There's a lot of activity before you're born. And then when you get ready to die, the body changes. The body starts declining. Certain systems shut down because they're not necessary at death. So talking to children in the way that of the normal response to the bo- of the body to the dying process as normal as it is to get ready for birth sometimes can de-escalate the anxiety some and you know give children some sensibility to it hmm. you know and and complicated grief uh larry that's that's something that there's a variety of reasons why people might have complicated grief, I think um, what they could do would be journal. You know, I think journaling is one of the best ways people can uh, emit or reduce the intensity of grief and feelings by taking, and there are many studies that have shown just that process of writing onto paper your feelings can reduce the intensity. And it also can help you Look at what are the real core issues of this complicated grief. What is it that's going on? It can help you maybe focus, uh, bring your thoughts into a more um, understandable view as we write down what are we experiencing. So that in addition to seeking counseling process, do some deep breathing meditation, look at their priorities, what is most important to handle right now when you have a lot of other issues outside just the grief and loss, but try to prioritize what you need to solve or or address most immediately to reduce that complicated grief rather than the normal grieving process. Wow. And 
So I, I want to thank you again for coming in talking with us today. I have to say that, we, well, we work together and uh, you do wonderful work. You've all not only been a co-worker, but a friend and mentor as well. And I really, really appreciate always your advice and counsel. Uh, I, again, I want to thank you again for coming, talking with us today. Guy Larry, it's just a delight. I'm so excited for you all to have this podcast and you're just an amazing medical social worker yourself. Um, it's an honor to work with you, and, and I am. I'm your friend. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thank you. Now now I'm blushing. You can't see this at home but uh, <laughs> or in your car. But, um, uh, but yeah, thanks again. Okay. Take you care. Take care. Right. Bye. So heading back to the studio, let's catch up with Peter. How's it going, Peter? Good. Yeah, no. Uh, thanks, Larry, and thank you, Jill. Uh, that, was a, that was a great interview. She's, she is so knowledgeable uh, in grief and loss. She does grief support groups, workshops. She's a counselor for hospice, as she said. Great person to talk to. I've had many conversations. She's helped me through some difficult cases as well. Yeah, I can, I can tell you that's a very comforting, comforting voice, one who might go through grief. Uh, that would definitely help in the comfort process. Yeah, a lot of my patients that, that do end up uh, going in for some counseling, that's sort of a common thing they say is that they, they, her voice puts them at ease, very relaxing, which is it's important, especially yeah. when you're dealing with something pretty stressful. And you can clearly tell that the, uh, the personality there and, and the amount of years that she's put into that, she truly does care. Oh, yeah. And, and she's not just like that with me. I've seen her with uh, most other people. She just... You know, you you warm up to her quickly and yeah. able to just tell her, you know, your darkest secrets yeah. or whatever. Right, sure. Um, but, yeah, that's great. That That's a great service uh, that hospice, and most hospices have that service with pre-event counseling. So one thing to consider if you're having that complicated grief, the children's books that she mentioned on there, we will yeah. be putting that on our website, cometolifepodcast.com. I'm, I'm glad you guys mentioned uh Children, because that's huge. That is huge, and uh, oftentimes an under underlooked uh, demographic in the, in that. Oh, absolutely. In the world of grief and loss. Yeah, we find that most parents don't. I mean, they're not uh, trained to deal with their own grief, let alone with their kid. And then they see them playing or jumping around in the background. You know, inwardly they could be they could be suffering, yeah, depending absolutely. on their relationship with that person. Yeah. What I think of grief and loss, though, and biblically biblically speaking. Um, I think of Job. I mean, think about all the, the losses he endured, his possessions, his children, his w- health, pretty much everything. Yeah, and there's, you know, throughout Scripture, there's so many examples of ones who have lost in grief. You know, we, everything from the ground calling out when, when Cain was, uh, when Cain murdered his brother, uh, all the way to... First recorded murder. Right, right, and yeah. and all the way to uh, uh, Christ, who Christ not only comforted those who grieved, but those who grieved for him when he was crucified. You know, it's just is grief all throughout. Can't imagine going through that, something so painful, and and he knew, he knew how it was going to end, and he's there comforting those who uh, who followed him and those who certainly cared about him. Yeah, yeah, and then Job. I mean, I mean, his relationship with God seems like pretty pretty strong as far as faith goes, although he did feel like God was turning away from him, I think. Didn't understand why he was allowing him all this pain and suffering. And I think 
you know, a lot of times when we're in that place where we're, it's easy to look, it's easy to pick up the Bible, pray and thank God when things are going well, right? Right. But what about when you're just in the most horrible situation? You're thinking, why me? Why did I get this disease? Why did I, why did this happen to me today of all days? That type of thing. We sometimes question and it's not a good practice to, to question God or attempt to go against his will, but well, that's, that is a natural, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the nature. That's our, that's our nature. Absolutely. And, and oftentimes too, the grief that, you know, the difference between the, you know, the grief we kind of discussed too, um, where you and Jill talked about it, where you have the ability, maybe with one who's on hospice, you get to essentially prepare yourself for that eventuality that are going to die. It's not an acute thing. That's not just uh, one, they had a heart attack and died, or they yeah. were in a car accident and, and died. This is something that you are prepared for. And as you know, my mother is currently on hospice mm-hmm. yeah. versus my father who collapsed from a heart attack, dead. And the grieving process is, is shocking with my father, yet like you uh, as a counselor mm-hmm. pointed out that we are actually grieving her loss while she is still alive. And that's very different, and that and and that was a huge uh, revelation for me when when yourself and uh, I believe it was Brooke said that, and that was that yeah was very key. We, those little losses we we grieve uh, as somebody with dementia. They're losing their their memory, their relationships with their kids and other people around them. That they're changing. They're not the same, not the same person. So yeah. especially for caregivers, spouse caregivers of somebody with dementia, they. Start grieving, and so it could be a long process, three years of, of caring for somebody. And you have this, they, you know, a lot of times they have this guilt uh, when the person does finally pass away that they're so relieved. Yeah. They didn't want them to suffer, but also their life for the last three years is horrible. Yeah. And the relationship, reciprocal relationship they used to have with their spouse is, is was gone a long time ago. Yeah. So it's... It, Interesting, and in, in not all cases are the same. Not all people grieve in the same family, for instance. The spouse versus the daughter who was close with her dad that passed away versus the son who never never came back and talked, had that talk with his dad. They, they kind never of put, reconciled. Right. Yeah. Bury, bury, the, yeah. bury the hatchet, right? So yeah. now he's walking around with this guilt yeah. uh, for, I mean, and those people would benefit from bereavement counseling. But may not may not realize that until later on. Sure. In in thinking about this and in preparation for the the interview you were going to do with Jill, kind of looked up some some scriptures to cover some of the different aspects of grief. And it's amazing how many passages there are and how supportive they are. And I think that like we talked about, the intent of this mm-hmm. podcast being we want to use the Bible as a foundation, yet current, uh, relevant, evidence-based counseling and, and therapy and so on, To we, we also reflect on those things. Even though we are not technically giving counsel, we, we, we like to bring in advice uh, and coaching from others. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's a gift too. Uh, if we have this knowledge of, how to, of psychology and how to help people in this... Um, the state, the stages of grief, the stages of death. If we can help people through through those, with like you, like what you're saying, empirically based, evidence based uh, theory. Yeah. Put into practice. Yes, and a lot of that will agree with the Bible. What we'd find in Scripture, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what'd you find? Um, I looked at everything from um, 
well, why do we experience grief? And that may not be like, why do you experience that specific uh, loss that you're going through? But 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verses 3 and 4, uh, I'll, I'll read this real quick. This is from the English Standard Version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We may ask ourselves, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? Well, I have sisters. I have brothers-in-law. I have children. I have a wife. I may be going through these things because I need to get. I need to experience this, so that when I do get through it, which there, that's our next looking, is that we do get through these things. There is light. Mm-hmm. There is joy after grief. I can be a counsel and a support and a comfort for those who are now experiencing it because I can. I can show them this is what I've gone through. Uh, we have all experienced this loss in our lives. Absolutely. Why did Why did I experience the the near death of my son, my four year old son? It was I, at the time I couldn't even think straight. It was it was horrible, but we got through it. Uh, and and now I can be more empathetic and more comforting to those who may be experiencing something. And guess what? I have had coworkers go through similar things, and I was able to without truly knowing some of them. Oh well. Wow really well go and have that automatic bond and and have a true embrace with these people and and they know that I feel their pain yeah and so that is that is a great point and and that's that's sort of like a grief support groups yeah that's how they work Uh, nothing's a substitute for walking in having somebody one or two three people sitting in a room who've who've just gone through or have gone through a year ago what you're experiencing now. Yeah. So nobody understands, the, you know, the, the counselor, the therapist in the room. They may or may not understand that on, at that level. So that's the great benefit of having that peer support, that uh, people who've been there. Luke 6, 21, like I talked about, there, there, there is joy that there will be, you will get through this. The idea that this too shall pass. Uh, Luke 6, verse 21, blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. We weep now. We cry now. I remember vividly when my father passed away, you were there uh, at the house. My sisters came from far and wide, and we gathered, and we cried, and we laughed. And it was the the therapeutic effects of both. Wow, just a range of uh, emotions. Yeah. Yep, and both are healthy. It's, and it's and it's healthy as you know it's healthy to grieve you know that's the only way you can heal I think yeah yeah I, I, and and scripture goes on we could talk about how to, you know like in second Timothy it talks about how to prepare for a loss you know like we, oh okay uh, you know I've I've run my race you have come to the end of of your life and it's one of the things we've actually talked to my mom about is that it's okay you have run your race. And it is it is okay. You have raised us. You have been a, a a mother. You've been a wife. You've been a sister. In the truth, you have run your race, and you you well, can you can you can. Peter, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, I, that couldn't have been easy. No, uh, but, no. but she she needed to hear that. Yeah, people and, need to hear that. Yeah, and and you were there. You know, and again, there's so many examples of of 
of grief, but being reunited or being given a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, we see the hope right, that's but, out there that, yeah, the hope. Uh, Jacob grieving for Joseph when he believed Joseph was dead, grieving, rip, renting his clothes, ripping his clothes off his body, putting dirt and ash in his hair. Uh, and then the, obviously Joseph being a type of Christ, yeah. he was reunited with him and uh, the joy that you would feel uh, from that. Sort of foreshadowing what's what's to come, really. Totally. Yeah. Another aspect, too, I, I don't want to kind of take over your, your, your post-interview uh, oh, no. discussion I'm, here. No, I'm curious to what uh, um, you're you know, and, and this is, I didn't know this until we were researching for this specific um, interview. I, I had the opportunity to look at, we hear the verse all the time, right? And that's in uh, Psalm 23, right? Oh, Where, yes. Yeah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, I shall fear no evil because thou art with me, thy rod and staff comfort me. And it's fascinating what I learned about how, how is it possible that a rod and staff comfort me? And I was and I, and doing some research and and piggybacking and kind of writing the coattails of others who did heavier research than than me just you know doing what I did as a shepherd as one who's out tending and caring for the flock the you know the long staff uh, with the, the yeah. hook almost look like, like a candy cane type of thing I'm picturing it would, now yeah that they would carry so the two ideas of that is that the the staff. You think about people that are hiking mountains. You know they have those those leaky Walking hiking stick, sticks right, and so on right. and so forth. That is the staff. And when you're going through rough terrain and you're going up a mountain and you get tired, you lean on that staff. That staff becomes a a a source of comfort, strength, fortitude as you are going through that hard whatever it is that hard terrain strengthens you. Right, right. Right. And and then the other idea is that as a shepherd. The the rod is actually the part that comes around, and it, they use it to hook hook the sheep. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah. they use it to hook them and to carry them or to um, guide them and pull them from danger. But they also use it when they're when they're going to be uh, tithing, when they would use sheep to pay for a tithe, or they would uh, sell or barter or whatever it was. They would use that rod as the sheep came through. They would use it to count the sheep as they came through. They would tap the sheep as they came by. And therefore there's accountability. The shepherd was accountable for the sheep. Right. And so, and so we have that, that we know that the staff will provide us comfort and strength and that the rod through God, we won't be forgotten. We're not going to be left to the, we're not going to be left to the elements and to the predators that are out there. We're going to be, we're going to be accounted for. And we know that Christ as a shepherd will will never leave us, you know, out there. We will always be remembered. And I thought that was wow, yeah, brilliant. And I and I've gone through forty two years of my life having <laughs> heard that verse. We hear it all the time. Yeah, we hear it in songs. We hear it in poems. We, you know, in hymns. And I'm I'm glad I had the opportunity. I'm glad that you you decided to do that topic with Jill because if you hadn't, I never. I I don't know how long it would have taken me to to understand yeah. that. You hear that psalm a lot in uh, movies. At a funeral scene or something, it's it brings people a lot of comfort, yeah. whether you're Christian or or not. A lot of people have attended attended funerals and heard that verse. I'm sure everyone listening to this has heard that before. Yeah, and knowing what those things mean, uh, having that knowledge, even more comforting now. Yeah, and and obviously we're we're our hope, right? Um, 
or are grieving, you know, kind of bring this to a conclusion, I guess. Uh, um, Revelation 21, verse 4, uh, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And we know that that is only going to occur when, when Christ returns and right. that um, that kingdom is established and that we'll feel death no more. We won't feel that grief. Um, but the griefs that we did feel in our lives, we used to make us stronger and those around us stronger. Yeah, strengthen us, yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in your career, in my career, we see it. We see it in the field. We see it in, you know, on I see it in car accidents. I see it in, you know, unfortunate other events. But uh, it's amazing, the power of grief. Yet there is there's always somebody helping and there is always some sort of comfort. And that's one thing I've tried to throughout my career, same as you. Mm. But in those moments, don't add to that chaos. Don't add to that. Oh, yeah. Be that Absolutely. comfort. Be the person who mm. comes in and brings order to that chaos and brings that comfort to the person who's, who's probably going through the worst days of their life. And, um, yeah, and you're exposed, uh, well, right. I guess myself too, included, exposed to a lot more of those situations than most people. Yeah. Um, uh, you might have a couple, few people you know that passed away in hospice. I have several patients I see daily, yeah. weekly, in that situation daily. And not only that, but help being there for a support. Yeah. But n- not to compare it to the scenes that you come up on. You might see one, one or two, hopefully you're never in one of those situations with the just a traffic accident, for, for for instance. Yeah. But it's not normal, I guess, no. to be ex- that exposed. So to have scripture to turn to yeah. as a strength, as a support, yep. it's just, it's crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, at the time, it may you, in your moment, in your emotions, in your adrenaline, you may not re- remember right away. Oh, yeah. And it may take the, the brother or the sister, again, the one who's gone through it or the one who's seeing clearer, because I'll be honest, you know, when I go through some of those those events, it's not the first thing that comes to my mind. It's not. Um, there's there's the same things that you might feel for somebody, a relative. You feel that anger. You feel that you want to blame somebody. You want to um, your your emotions are not necessarily guided in the right direction. But no, and I I really appreciated that that um, that interview and and you talking with Jill. That was great. Yeah, it's always a joy to speak with Jill and. I have to say I've had a lot of fun doing this podcast with you, Peter. Yeah. And what I'd like to say to the listeners, please seek help with your grief if you feel you need it. It is important to know that you never get over loss. Sometimes, especially when someone's close to you, you may not get over that loss, but you will learn to walk, I guess, beside it, moving forward. So I'd like to leave you with a reading that might inspire hope. From Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Folks, until next time, God bless.